1: Everything in life is an exchange. We exchange hours every week for a paycheck. We exchange energy to visit friends. We exchange time to make phone calls. Everything in life is an exchange, and how much time, energy, and resources we're willing to trade for things ultimately reveal their value to each of us. Jesus gives us an important insight in Matthew six and twenty-one. He says, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." So the things we invest the most in are ultimately the things we value most. Now here's a personal question: If God God examined the things you devote most of your treasure to, what would he say you valued the most? I will never forget the moment when the Lord gave me, a young, inexperienced minister, the most needed advice ever. He said, stop listening to what people say and watch what they do. Man, this is true for me and true for you. Actions always speak louder than words. So what is your life and the lives of people around you really saying? For more, go to gracechurchba.org And as always, live big. Tomorrow can be bigger Just grow
2: Thank you for tuning in to the Live Big broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. God's Word is powerful and full of life. It opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in Him can be. So we pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Remember, you can listen to this message and more for free at gracechurchva.org. Here's Bishop Greer with today's Live Big message.
1: Today we're going to be in Acts chapter, we're going to kind of move around a little bit, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 7, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about who I think about when I've been really bad and who I want you to think about when you've missed the mark and you've come up short and you haven't been the man or woman you hoped you'd be and imagined you might be. Today I'm going to introduce you to a man named Saul. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. And here's how the introduction begins. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him, Stephan, with one accord. This was a very rowdy, unreasonable. In highly inflamed mob. A lot like we see on social media today. Like we see on television today. Like we've seen in the Capitol building. Like we've seen on our streets. But what we must always remember is putting out someone else's flame doesn't make ours burn any brighter. And today's public shaming is no different than the shaming of the past. It's really not about justice. It's about control. And we need to test the spirit behind some of the things that we're engaging in. And they cast Stephen to the ground out of the city and they stoned him. And the further we drift from the truth, the more People will hate those who speak it. And witnesses laid down their clothes. And this reminds me of when I was a a kid. And before a fight, there'd be a dramatic coat taking off. And those from my generation remember the dramatic coat taking off. Oh, you don't want me to take off my coat. No, 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 you don't want me to take off my coat. You better not have me take off my coat and all the while you're wishing you don't have to take off your coat but then finally if you had to take off your coat you always handed your coat to somebody you knew somebody that had your back because even if you lost the fight you didn't want to go home and then get it again because you lost your coat so you always gave your coat to the right person. And the Bible says and the witnesses laid down their clothes or their coats at the feet of a young man who was fully agreeing, actually instigating the whole thing, named Saul. This is the first mention of this man named Saul. And they stoned this honorable and godly Man, And he became the first martyr of the church. And I want to tell you something. Salvation is free. But following Jesus can cost you everything. And this man was willing to pay whatever price he had to pay for his Jesus. Skip to Acts 8 and 1. Now we see this Saul again. Now Saul was consenting. The original language is is, is not that gentle. You know, this kind of paints a picture of, you know, perhaps this reluctant Saul, you know, persecuting the Christian. No, no, actually, this, this term consenting speaks of someone who took sort of a sick pleasure. Someone that got kind of a smile and a snicker on their face at the hurt, the harm the torment and torture torture of God's own. So here we have Saul, a highly religious man, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Many say that uh, actually what he did to the Christians is what caused him to eventually get on the Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin, however you want to pronounce it. But there was a sickness and a twistedness behind all of his... uh, 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 you know, just just incredible demeanor. I mean, he had a long robes. He was just a, this incredible individual. they very, very learned. And but but on the inside, Saul was sick to the core. Now, Saul was consenting of his or to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and I talked about this a little bit last week but what, what had happened here is Saul had sparked a, a pogrom where uh you know uh Jews were killing Christians and this went on for decades and then eventually what happened on the other side uh, we find Christians killing Jews and let me tell you something humans tend to abuse everything we get involved in and I don't care how true the faith, you're going to find some stuff in the faith. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the brave apostles. But what we're going to see here and i'm going to move kind of quickly Saul's plan kind of backfires here because when the christians were sent out of jerusalem uh, they took the message of the cross with them and it spread even faster and, and you know as bad as things may get maybe as bad as things have may have gotten we've we've lost loved ones during this covid thing we some of us you know we we discovered some some bad pockets in relationships and things that we didn't work on came to the surface and you had some real issues during this period but what I want you to understand is despite the bad thing that happened, God is still working out his purpose. And, and I know that that's hard sometimes to hear. But what I want you to know is God's purpose for you existed long before there was a you. Before you could have a plan for your life, God had a purpose for your life. And sometimes it's important. Our plans must fail for God's purposes to prevail. And you may have planned a different last year. But God's purposes still have prevailed. You hear what I'm saying? God's purposes has still come to pass. And as difficult as, you know, it was for these Christians that had to, you know, uproot, man. They had to take their families, go into new lands. And and everybody didn't love Jewish people. And and they knew places. And and they lost money. They left friends. They they left family. And they had to uproot. And they're like, God, where are you in all this? But what I want to say one more time is your best plans may fail. But God's purposes will always prevail. And God had a purpose even in this horrible, horrible situation. Verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Now, the word translated havoc here literally speaks of a wild, crazed animal ripping meat from a bone. So I'm not just using my imagination when I say Saul had some very, very serious problem. Matter of fact, when this man was born, I mean, as smug and as, as, as evil and as self-righteous as Saul was, the devil was like, oh, shucks, competition. I mean, this is the type of man that Saul was. But we're going to learn a little bit more. Entering into every house, this is Saul. He drug off or he he was dragging off men and women. So Saul was an equal opportunity disaster. He hurt men, he hurt women, he he hurt the children, everything connected to them. He left nothing out of his path of destruction. It's easy to romance some of the figures of the Bible and we just think they were born wonderful. No, no. And, And not only did he drag them out, meaning he physically abused them. He, he, he handcuffed them and sometimes they were beaten on the way to jail. He committed them to prison. And we know in this period, prison almost always resulted in, in, in a sentence of death. So Saul was a very, 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 very bad dude. This is not the type of guy you, you, you want to be around. And then in nine and one, the Bible continues to paint a picture about this Saul. Are you still with me? Then Saul. Still breathing threats and murder. This is our introduction to Saul. Threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Saul was like the Scarface of his time. Fear, blood, and death was his oxygen. It surrounded him like a dark fog. This was Saul before we get to Damascus. So this Saul... Garbed in respectability, garbed in intelligence, garbed in, in, in power invested in him by the Sanhedrin. He goes to the high priest and he says, listen, I, I, know, I, I did a pretty good job around the hereabouts of Jerusalem. Give me letters so I can also go to the synagogues of Damascus. So Saul wanted to expand his reign of Terror. He wanted to not only contain it to Palestine, but 150 uh, miles out to to really the most major next city. I mean, outside Jerusalem, the next major city was Damascus. And let me tell you this, the devil is more strategic than you ever imagined. This is not just a man with issues. Saul was demonized. Saul had a devil. Saul had serious, serious serious problems and he got these letters so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women again he might bring them bound chained leaving families behind children behind to jerusalem and this was cancel culture at its height no restrictions and as he journeyed he came near damascus And he's about to do what he does. And suddenly the saints have been praying. Somebody had been talking to God. You hear what I'm saying? Suddenly a light shone around him. The worst of men. The most evil of men. One of the most crazed men of this time. I mean, you had to look at an emperor to find a man more crazed than Saul. But a light shines around him from heaven. How many of you were God? It wouldn't have been a light. It would have been lightning. For God is full of grace and mercy. And in Acts 22, we discover that actually this happened At noon, imagine a light so bright that it even overpowers the desert sun at its highest and brightest. God can never create a rock too heavy for him to lift. And he can never create a light brighter than he himself shines. Everything that exists only captures a measure Of God's goodness and his glory. And then Saul did what only Saul could do. He fell to the ground. But he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Now we know that the repetition of a name, when God repeats things, it's for the sake of emphasis. And they didn't have exclamation points in this period of history. There was none in Greek, none in Hebrew. So the way you, you make a word an exclamation or you put an exclamation point at the end of the word by saying it twice. So there was an intensity to this voice. I know a lot of people want to say it was a gentle and kind so, so. No. God called his name. And God still knows how to call. A name. Yes, and he says, Saul, Saul, why? Saul, why? Why, Saul? And some God looking at somebody, you, know, you, you, why? Why? What's your problem, Saul? Are you persecuting? me. Now we could have a whole message on the fact that God takes touching his people personally and you start touching those who belong to God. You've touched God himself because he didn't say, he he didn't say, why are you messing with my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? But we're going to move on from that. But but what he does, is he kind of lays Paul on the couch and and God is just, just, just absolutely amazing. Again, I, I would have come with lightning and, and all types of stuff. There would have been a whirlwind. The ground would have opened up, swallowed him, and then flames would have just consumed him. But instead, God lays him on a psych, psychiatrist's couch. He says, well, Paul, what have I done to you? Why, Saul? So where's all this anger? Coming from, so the problems not with Christians. The problem lies somewhere deep down inside of you, Saul. That's really where the problem is. He says, Saul, Saul, why, why, Saul, why, 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 why. He asked him a question so Saul could locate himself even in his insanity, even in his crazed state. And God knows how to help us locate ourselves. Even when we're going crazy, even when we're doing stuff, we know we ought not. Do you hear what I'm saying? Saul, why? Why are you persecuting me? What have I done to you, Paul? And Paul responds, well, Saul responds. He said, who are you, Lord? Now, this is the most important question you can ever ask God. Who is the Lord and what is he like? Again, where you and I would have swallowed this man up. God, even in his strength, and, and, and this is a powerful, I mean, you know, this, this is a powerful moment. And, and, and even in that moment, God is showing tenderness and, and he's willing to have a conversation with Paul. Because the Lord responds. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, oops, whom you are persecuting. Imagine waking up one morning and all the criticism, all the anger you've had against Christian and against Christianity was really your anger and venom against God. So, Saul, in all his crazed days, just, I mean, this, this is Scarface. He's having a moment, oh my God. But then watch this statement. Chokes me up. This lets me know that Jesus is the same on this side of the cross as he was on the other side of the cross. This man is killing people, separating families, causing migrations from places. This guy is insane. But what does God say to him? He said, It is hard for you. Jesus was the one being oppressed. Jesus was the one being persecuted. Jesus and his people were the ones being abused, but Jesus's top concern was how it was affecting Saul. I would have been like, Saul. You know the pain you caused me. You know how you hurt those families, Saul. You know what you, you you're doing. But Jesus looks at him and said, it's hard on you, ain't it? It's hard for you to kick, Saul. And Saul, all this kicking is what's making you crazy. And you know it's not getting bad. In fact, it's starting to get worse. You used to just get mad at Christians. Now you mad at everybody else in your circle. And you know how things are, it's hard for you, Saul, to kick against the goads or the pricks depending on the translation. And I shared this with you before, but a goad was a stick that farmers use to, to prod the ox when the ox didn't feel like moving and doing what he ought to do. And the deal was they, they poked the, the ox a little bit in the leg. And if you kick back against that prick, you, that, that animal would injure itself and, and quite severely. So what we see here is underneath all Saul's bravado. All Saul's anger was really a man fighting against his own conscience. God had spoken to his heart. Everything creation was yelling at him. Jesus is the Messiah. But sometimes we're angry with others. Because we're really mad at ourselves. And this was Saul. So he trembling and astonished. I know we got a lot of different folks nowadays. But if God never frightens you. If he never shocks you. If he never upsets you. If he never seems to rug you the wrong way. I'm not sure you really gotten to know him yet. Because this wasn't a gentle meeting. Saul is sitting. He's trembling in the presence of God. He's overwhelmed, shocked. He's trying. Oh my God, this is really happening. Oh my God, what have I done? And then Saul is about to ask the second most important question you can ask in your life. He said, Lord, What was the first question, by the way? Lord, who are you? But the second is, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, when you really repent, it's like, Lord, what do I got to do to make this right? Father, how can I fix this? And when these two questions are answered, every other question in life becomes irrelevant. Then the Lord said to him, really, you know, we know Saul couldn't fix this. Only God could fix this. But he said, listen, this is what I need you to do. Arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, this is important. Paul is no longer the shot caller. He was the one directing everybody. Jesus has gotten in the seat. And Jesus did, did not come into your life to be told what to do. And I appreciate your plans and how, how, how you put them together and how you got some counsel together and, and you know, you really work hard on your plan. But our God is a God of purpose. And as great as your plans are, his purpose will prevail. And what I've learned in life is until God opens that next door, praise him in the hallway. And And what happened here is Jesus called himself Lord. And then he had to teach right out of the gate. The first lesson to Saul was, boy, you need to learn to wait on me.
2: This has been Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. Access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join the Grace Church family for worship online every Sunday and Wednesday on social media at GraceChurchVA or on our website at GraceChurchVA.org. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, live big.
1: Despite our best intentions, we all get offended at times. It might be over small things like a parking space, a church, or or big things like betrayal. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is saying you are kidding yourself if you think you could live your life without anyone ever upsetting you. Conflicts will come, but it's how we handle them that makes all the difference. Jesus goes on to say, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he forgive him. If someone wrongs you, do not pretend it did not happen. Have the courage to graciously and lovingly address it. I'm not talking about keeping score over every little misstep and mishap, but I am saying instead of just talking about the person, talk to the person. If they're willing to make healthy adjustments, let it go and move on. Conflicts are inevitable, but they not only reveal who others are, they also reveal who we are